please be advised that in order to foster quality discussions in each episode, we will spoil the stories in each game and text we talk about. Good news is, 90% of the titles we cover are old enough that many of you might already know all about them. That said, we do encourage you to play and read before listening. Who has two thumbs and a big sack of blood money? This guy. <laughs> a big sack of blood money? Is that what you said? <laughs> That's what I said. Okay. I don't want to say where I go or how much they pay, but uh started donating plasma. Told you about this a little bit. <laughs> I was thinking of Metroid. I was like, what is he? I don't remember that part of the game. I forgot you were donating blood for money. You're selling your life fluid for cash. It, it, it was an option that opened up to me. and um, Oh, it opened up your vein. It did. Three times so far. And, Lord. Uh, <laughs> and I'm richer for it. It's, it's already helped pay for new podcast stuff. And uh, if I keep doing it, I can keep affording new video games for the show. And... If I if I keep keep on doing it, it'll I'll keep affording uh, my student loan payments every month, which is pretty cool. I hope you listeners appreciate that Bryce is selling his sweet ragu to fund this podcast. Got to do what you got to do. The only thing I don't know about is uh, over time what what that does to your veins. But ooh, I don't know. Yeah, I was talking to my wife's aunt. She gets she gets work done a lot, and she was asking me what I thought about that, and I was like, I haven't even, I hadn't even thought about that. Like if you like scar up your your veins over time, but oh yeah, you can't just keep poking them and poking yeah. Them. It's, this is probably a short term uh, profit that I'll be undertaking here, but it's it, it, it's like a junkie. You have to switch up the veins, like right? Yeah, I've toes. been going back and forth, <laughs> yeah, back of the knee. <laughs> But for the time being, it's it's pretty it's pretty nice because I just get to go and even even if there's like a long wait, it's just, I get a bunch of reading done, and then I get plugged in, and then I'm just laying there reading for like an hour until I'm done, and that's my reading time. It's like forced discipline. It's pretty cool. And you get paid for it. I do. It's surprising how much they pay too, but I guess that's uh. That's big pharma. I would do that, but I don't. I don't like needles very much. And also, what if the government does something nefarious with your blood, Bryce? Yeah, I was. You? I was thinking that because I've had people talk to me over the last several years with COVID and stuff about all the uh, paranoid stuff that the government may or may not be doing, and uh, I was like, you know, there's something in the back of my head that's like, I wonder, like. I could worry about them like putting something on every single needle they put into me while I while I'm hook- getting hooked up to this. Oh yeah. But they might be making you like a cyborg. Right. But little nano nano what a not nanotech uh some kind of nanobots going into your system. Yeah, we hope that's not the case and hopefully I'm just Or maybe you should hope that is the case depending yeah, on what they're turning true, you into. True. True. 
You could be like Valiant's Bloodshot, and you're just like a cool android guy. Like you get cut, and you heal up immediately, and you shoot people. I guess that would be pretty sick. That would be nice. But anyway, I'm uh, making some money, and I'm happy about it. So, welcome to Arcade Bookshop, where we talk about video games and their literary counterparts for all, for all of you who love to play and to read. And sometimes we talk about blood. I'm Bryce Yoli, and as always, I'm here with my pal and cousin-in-law, Caleb James, to talk about Super Metroid, originally and released. Sometimes we talk about blood. <laughs> originally <laughs> released the year I was born. <laughs> Did you just say that Metroid came out the year you were born? Yeah, 1994. It makes me feel old. I mean, it was like seven years older than me. Something like that. Yeah, whatever. Makes me feel old. I I can't get past the blood. Sometimes we talk about (laughs) blood. (laughs) The sad thing is, uh, the reality is we probably will. With some of the games we're going to play, we might talk about blood every episode. We probably will. So yeah, <laughs> Super Metroid for the Super Nintendo Entertainment System in 1994. So why did we choose this game? Correct me if I'm wrong, but I think just because this is a really awesome classic from back in the day. And for me, it was one that I grew up with. I grew up watching my brother play this a lot. And then I tried to play it a couple times. And I was a big cheater. This time I didn't cheat. And I'm proud to say it. But did you play it the right way by beating the first original Metroid before you played this one? Is that the right way? It's the right way in my book. I started the beginning, and then I progressed to future video games in the franchise. When did, when did you start at the beginning? I played the original Metroid when I was a kid, but then when okay. I replayed these games, I think last year or the year before, I went back and ble- uh, beat the original Metroid, and then I moved on. I just, I tried playing that before, and it's just, at this point, since I didn't, like, since that was before me, I don't know if we had that uh, when we yeah, had it was the... regular Nintendo. Right. Yeah, we had a regular Nintendo. I just don't know if we had that, had the original Metroid, but I did try to play it. Um, I don't know if I played it on, like, an emulator or on something else, but... I tried playing it before, and I was just, like, I could not handle how slow it goes. <laughs> yeah. And, like, how slow you, you spin in the air when you jump. It makes you really appreciate how awesome Super Metroid is, though. Yeah. But once you but if you play Super Metroid first, like I did, and you go back to it, it's, like, hard. And yeah. I, I don't know. I, I've listened to some other podcasts and people talk about... Uh, people talking about playing old, going back to play old games, and I think a lot of people don't recommend going back and playing that. I don't know. Caleb recommends it. Caleb recommends going back and beating the original game. <laughs> Is it? Does it? Do you think it holds up? No. Yeah. <laughs> Probably not. It's like <laughs> the original Mario. It's very frustrating. You're sliding all around, but it's you have to beat it once. I guess so. It so how does it compare to Super Metroid with like enemies and bosses and stuff? It's just like the exact same game, pretty much, just worse. <laughs> <laughs> it's not as good. I mean, it still was revolutionary for its time, but it's just fun wise. You get more frustrated the, the mechanics of the game than you do the actual gameplay. Right. 
and like you said, the slowness and stuff. But I'm sure there's a remastered version of that now. Like it's, I'm sure somebody went through and you know made a smoother, better playing version of that same game. Maybe, I don't know. But I mean, what to to me the worst thing is how slow you jump, and I don't know if they fixed that. I'm sure they did. If they did, yeah. they do that. They go back and they pick old games that everyone loved but just had faults, and huh. then they fix those faults. Like I played the hacked version of Simon's Quest because it was like they didn't change the game. It was still the same game. They just made it better. Like they fixed the the bad parts of Simon's Quest and then made it a game that you'd like to play. Yeah. Huh. Well, I mean, if they did that, I guess it'd be better for me. I'd try it. Maybe I'll go back and do it sometime. I got like I before I played this, I played Metroid Dread before I played Super Metroid, and you're saying that's awesome. It was so good. Like I would honestly, except for one thing, which I'm not going to say because I might do a separate episode on Dread, but except for one thing, I would argue that it's better than Super Metroid, which I feel like is a pretty big statement. Because I, I mean, I think Super Metroid is like the definitive Metroid uh, play, but uh, it was so good. The pinnacle of Metroid games. Yeah, like I and I and you know you hear reviews or people talk about stuff like that where they like they say it's like oh my god it's the it's so it's the best I'm like I just don't I don't know if I believe it I, like it took me I was between buying Metroid Dread and the Prime Remaster because uh, I heard that was amazing too and I still want that but uh, I bought Dread and I do not regret it I'll I would probably play it again yeah I don't want to give anything away yet but super good and worth buying a switch for that game alone and breath of the wild and tears of the kingdom but stop trying to guilt me into buying a switch well, you already said you already said you're gonna get one probably probably when i get well i mean i have the money i could buy one right now if i wanted but i just don't <laughs> i don't need more distractions in my life you already yeah. have me playing all these video games and reading double the amount of books i ex- intended to read this year doesn't it feel I mean, good no it doesn't <laughs> I'm still a writer. I'm supposed to be writing. I'm not supposed to be playing video games. Yeah, I guess. I, I mean, I'm in that in that space too. But you know, this is just it, it's this is an important thing we're doing for us and for other people, right, Caleb? That's true. This is a service we are providing society. Right. You're even giving your blood to do it. Uh huh. And it's worth every every little red drop. Mm, <laughs> your plasma. They put it back, don't they? They just take your plasma. Yeah, so they they draw out. The, I think they base how much they draw based on your body weight and your composition and whatever. And uh, they draw it out, and then they like spin it. It gets spun in this thing, and it separates Centrifuge. the yeah something like that. And they they separate the plasma from the red blood cells. And then when you're all done, they they inject the red blood cells back into you, and then. That's what gives me the heebie-jeebies. Yeah. I don't want them putting stuff back in me. Like, <laughs> well, yeah, yeah like I told you before, like I told you off air, the worst part is the very end when they <laughs> they give you fluids, the in, they give you saline, and your body just gets, like your, the, the side of your body that you have the needle in, it just gets so cold. Oh. It's, it's just like ice water. It's crazy. From the inside out. I don't yeah. like that. that that's <laughs> icky. I don't like that at all. Just that sounds terrible, there. and it doesn't sound like a yeah. good time. I want to do it. But anyway, we're talking Metroid. Metroid, no more blood. And, and I was just saying, I 
I probably would I probably would go back and play the original one eventually. I I'm I thought I'd be like done with uh the Metroid style kind of game right now after playing two Metroid games like in a row, but I'm still into it and I really want to play Prime cuz I my brother played Prime and he had a GameCube, but I never actually I think I tried it a little bit and I wasn't into it cuz I really I prefer the platformer like the like the side stroller Metroid, yeah. but I think I would like it a lot more as I'm as I'm I played it a long person. time ago on GameCube, but I do not re- it must have not left a, an impression on me because I don't remember anything about it. And I know he rented it or bought it or something, but I just I don't I don't even know if I beat it or not. Well, it's supposed to be really good. Everyone always raves about it. Um, yeah. At least I'm a, the thank first you. Two. I'm a, the, the original side scroll. You know, yeah, my two D man. Sometimes, yeah, I'll always prefer that, but I'm still into it. Just yeah, it sounds. It seems like it has to be cool, and I'd like to fight Ridley. Uh, you know, like three D. That was that is kind of cool. Yeah, I I think you do. I'm pretty sure. I don't know. Well, I mean, Mario for sixty Mario sixty four was awesome. So it's not like you can't take a two D game side scroller and make it a 3d sandbox style game and be awesome obviously uh zelda well the original zeldas weren't side scrollers but second one halfway was like the, the second one kind of sucked yeah <laughs> be honest but uh we'll have to cover that in, in an episode we do games that suck ass like bad games yeah um, it's not fun. a bad game it's just not a good one a lot um, of people say it's broken i think it's another one that probably could use some fixing yeah <clears throat> another random thing about metroid um well not not about metroid specifically even but i i played this on the on nintendo online on my switch because it's on there and um i had noticed before they have all these games on there that say i think they just say i think they just say special they have like a ribbon they say special so it turns out that they have these classic games where somebody had played the entire game and gotten everything in the game, all the secrets and stuff, and then they created a save state. Like I don't know if it's like at the beginning of the game or what, but instead of starting the game from scratch, you can go and choose one of these special versions of the game and play it completed already. <laughs> and just dominate? Like- yeah, I don't know why you would want to do that, but... Maybe it's like a speedrunner thing, like some kind of... Let's just see how fast we could beat the game instead of the original start to finish. We can have everything and then see how fast, like, can we do it even quicker? Yeah, and, like, I don't know. I I didn't actually try. I just started it up to see what it was. I don't know if you can play the game over again with all your stuff or or if it's just, like, you can screw around on the map after it had already been, like, after after everything had already been found. You know what I mean? Because, like, if you already found everything... And there's just a save state, then all the bosses are already beat except the last one. That's you know kind of I mean? stupid. I wouldn't want to do that. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what the deal is with that. I have to look at it closer. But I, yeah, I <laughs> like I opened it up and I, it, you already had all the energy tanks, all the missiles, and yeah. the the last suit, the various suit, I think, right or no? I don't know. Whatever the purple one. Yeah, the purple one. <laughs> so yeah, that was silly. Let's break down this convoluted, complex, intense story that is Super Metroid. Break it down for Let's the Let's break folks. it down. The game opens with the only text and story provided us to the provided to us in the entire game. 
It goes like so. The last Metroid is in captivity. The galaxy is at peace. I first battled the Metroids on planet Zebes. It was there that I foiled the plans of the space pirate leader's mother brain to use the creatures to attack galactic civilization. I next fought the Metroids on their homeworld, SR-388. I completely eradicated them except for a larva, which after hatching followed me like a confused child. I personally delivered it to the Galactic Research Station at Ceres. Ceres. So scientists could study its energy-producing qualities. Isn't that a, That's like a Greek name, isn't it? Ceres or something like that? Yeah. Is that how you say it? Probably. Okay. <laughs> I'm not good at pronouncing Greek. Even after reading all these Greek books, I suck at pronouncing Greek. Yeah, and that's why I asked you. I thought maybe, <laughs> I thought maybe I you I believe know. it's series. Series? I'm sure it's series. All right. So, to study its energy-producing qualities. The scientists' findings were, out- were astounding. They discovered that the, p- the powers of the Metroid might be harnessed for the good of civilization. Satisfied that all was well, I left the station to seek a new bounty to hunt. But I, I had already... Hmm. I had ar- hardly gone beyond the asteroid belt when I picked up a distress signal. Series station was under attack. And the playable game begins back at the research station where you find all the scientists dead and the Metroid larva being stolen by this big pterodactyl-looking monster, which nowadays we know to be called Ridley. He's a space pirate. Is he? Yeah. I actually didn't know that. How do you know that? You never read the... Well, for those of us who beat the first game... Because <laughs> we're back on the, the planet... What is it? Uh, Zebes? Zebes, yeah. Zebes. Uh, we're back on the planet, but this time the pirates and Ridley have taken over the planet, and they have set up their base there. Okay. I never... I don't know. I, I, I guess that makes sense. I never put that together. Oh... Yeah, because Ridley stole the Metroid. Right. Yeah, it makes sense. I just he's a pirate. What do pirates do? They steal. Right. I guess I should have like listened he doesn't to look myself. Looks like a pirate. He looks like a pterodactyl. <laughs> I guess I should have like listened to myself more as I was reading all that. <laughs> <laughs> so, basically, you you fight Ridley for a second, and but it but he escapes with the Metroid larva, and you have to escape the station before it self destructs. You follow Ridley back to Planet Zeeves where the rest of the game takes place. That's the story as they give it to us. That's very exciting. That's about all you have to know. You don't have to know anything, actually. <laughs> you don't have to know anything. But the the pleasure of most side scrolling Nintendo games, you don't have to know what's going on at all. You just beat them up and solve the slight puzzles they have and get the equipment and shoot stuff. Yeah. And it's fun as hell. It but is fun as hell. It's a very well-made game. It is. Do, do you have anything... Did you think at all about the story outside of what they give us? Um, Other than the fact that it made me think of the work of H.P. Lovecraft just because of, like, like the planet has these subterranean... Uh, we can say a city. It's kind of hard to say it's a city when you, re- you know, play it in a side-scrolling thing, but it's kind of like a city. Yeah, I mean, it um, has different... The base. Yeah, it has different... It, it basically is. It ha- I mean, they... I don't know who named it, all the all the pl- locations, but it's divided up like a like an actual geographical map, and they name yeah. them all. And then you have all these horrors that you have to fight, like these big monsters, and very H.P. Lovecraft-esque. Which is why... 
Next episode, we're talking about At the Mountains of Madness by H.P. Lovecraft. Fitting. Mm Mm-hmm. But real quick, we already kind of talked about it, but mechanics and gameplay. And this one falls under the... (laughs) My my notes app corrected Metroidvania to Metroid Anus category. (laughs) (laughs) What? So this one falls under the Metroid Anus category. Ooh. That's a... (laughs) Do they have anuses? I thought they were just a mouth and a brain. <laughs> I, I'm guessing the mouth doubles up. I thought they just were like little goo men. They just consisted <laughs> on your life force and they just turned into goo. How many times you are get, we going to say just goo get, men on this podcast? They just get bigger into bigger goo men. <laughs> we'll use goo men every time we can. <laughs> I'm a goo man. I'm a goo man. Yeah, so it's a Metroidvania. And if you don't already know, that's the term for platformer games or side-scrollers like Metroid or Castlevania, which is where the name comes from. And there's like one big interconnected map. The biggest feature of the game, and I'm guessing everybody's listened to this already has played this game or at least knows about it or something. The biggest thing is just the exploration, searching for items, weapons, uh, equipment, you know, everything just to help you keep progressing. And uh, prepare for the mystery group of variety of enemies you'll inevitably encounter. And the constant backtracking. Right, yeah. It, if you play it, you know, you don't cheat. You actually play it. You will, on the first playthrough, backtrack for hours and hours and get the worst ending you can out of the three. Because you get three endings depending on the time you beat the game. Well... <clears throat> Are there are there actual different endings or is it just like the post credits thing? I don't remember. Uh, I know if you save the little animal things, they join you. But I think it's probably the same ending. You just get the you know she could be in a bikini or yeah whatever. yeah I knew about that. <clears throat> How do you save the animals? I don't think I've ever saved the animals. I don't remember. You have to. Oh no, I did save the animals. You go back down and you get them. That sounds familiar. How do you? I don't remember how you do it though. You remember like the uh, big? I don't even remember what it, it's like a not a giraffe, like a big chicken thing or something. Yeah, I think that's one. I, it might only be that one. I don't remember. Yeah, well, there's the there's like the little monkey things that teach you how to wall uh, bounce or whatever you call it. Like you jump back and forth on the walls to climb up. Yeah, they're like little. They're kind of like little monkeys. And then it's, there's you, the you do it. When you're trying to escape, when everything's going to blow up, that's when you have to go save them. Oh, really? I think they just follow follow you. Yeah, that sounds familiar. I think I did that once on my cheating playthroughs. <laughs> <laughs> but this time, I I didn't even see them. You'd have to like go out of your way, wouldn't you? Yeah, you have to go back to what that one beginning spot where they are. Yeah. I'm pretty sure. It's been so long since I, I did that. But I'll have to look that pretty up. pretty sure I that's how it works. Yeah, that does sound familiar. Yeah, so basically it's just it's it's exploration, shooting shit, killing monsters, beating bosses. What else you got? Learning how to use the equipment upgrades you get in yeah, their oh my proper God. places. Oh man, when you uh when you get the space jump, you know, the uh the spinny thing. Yeah. That drives me nuts. Because you have to you have to time the buttons like so precisely I mean not so precisely but you have to figure out when the right time is to press it again in order for you to 
continue your like rotation back and forth if you're trying to go up and in, into a certain like cavity in the in the room you're in. Yeah. That drives me so crazy. And and before that, when you're trying to do things that you when you're trying to get places that you need like the high jump boots or whatever or the space jump when you're, when you're when you're trying to get places that you need those tools to get to uh normally you have to use your morph ball bombs and you just like bomb yourself you know, up yeah <laughs> you spend like if you're like me you just you try to get things ahead of time if you can so you just you just mash the the bomb button yeah. And you just like like bounce yourself up and up and up and up and up. And then a lot of the time you get almost to the ledge of the place you're trying to get to and then your time your thumb timing gets off and then you fall all the way back to the goddamn ground. <laughs> it's infuriating and I also remember the wall jump pissing me off. Yeah, that was actually worse than the space jump. Yeah. When when you first meet those little monkey guys and you're trying to do what they're doing. Because there's a certain way you have to do it, yeah, and they don't tell you. No, you just have to figure it out. I remember playing a mod version of Met- Super Metroid. It was a really cool-looking game. I couldn't get past the first part because that had a wall jump, and the- whoever made it must have not... Like They tried to upgrade the controls to make things cooler or something. You could do extra stuff. I could not get past the very first platform, and I just rage quit. <laughs> it, just, it just would not do the double jump off the wall. It was really annoying. That sounds a little bit like special birthday hatred. <laughs> we'll get to that one day. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, there's a few of those mods where they try to get real tricky with the actual geography and the layout of the like the the base. Um, I remember there was a a hospital version. It was a really fun one, and there really weren't many enemies at the beginning or anything. But you had to do stupid stuff like roll into the ball and like blow yourself up to go through like 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 you're playing pool almost with Metroid. Like you have to mm-hmm. get through this tiny hole and it's just stupid things like that. And it's like the challenge was just to be able to get from point A to point B. And it's like I don't I don't enjoy that so much. But like the layout, like the, the whole game was pretty cool. I think it was called Dark Hospital or something. Yeah, you showed me that once. It looks pretty sweet. Yeah, but it's just I don't want the environment to be the biggest hassle and the controls to be the hassle i want you know i want to shoot stuff and fight yeah. monsters and solve mysteries whatever but i don't i don't want to get stuck on a little oh i don't know how to get through this hallway like it's dumb yeah like when they make those mods it's like why don't you make it into a cool new version of the game like you're doing and not make it impossible to beat why does it yeah. have to be also impossible to beat <laughs> I think it all comes back to those stupid speedrunners because they make these games that are really hard to beat and eventually people beat them and then they're like, oh, let's speedrun it. And people want to make games that speedrunners aren't going to be able to do mm. easily. That's probably that true. Takes a lot of, that takes a lot of fun out of it for people like us who just want to yeah. play more Metroid games. Right. Just like enjoy being there. That's I mean, That's why I play. Like, that's exactly why that stupid Mario birthday game we've been trying to play. <laughs> that's exactly why that was made. Just to be as frustrating as possible. And you know there's some stupid speedrunner who just flew through that game. Yeah. After playing it for 4,000 hours. We should look up a video on that. Because uh, Caleb and I want to do an episode on this game. This this modded uh, Super Mario World game. 
It's so so I don't want to go into too much detail, but it's just we w- the only way we've gotten anywhere on it is by using save states constantly. <laughs> <laughs> it's like unbelievably difficult. I so if there is if there is someone who breezes through it like that, I'd love to see it. And then maybe we'll just feel like a couple of fucking idiots when we do see it. I don't think anyone who plays that game as a normal person would feel like they were an idiot because it's so unnecessarily difficult. Yeah. Which is why we were thinking of pairing it, if we ever did that, with Gravity's Rainbow. <laughs> or Infinite Jest or one of those books mm-hmm. that just probably not be able to finish the book either. I actually just saw that at the store when I was looking for another book. It was just sitting right there. I, Which is funny because I've been, a couple of times I was looking for that book specifically couldn't find it, and then I was looking for something else, and it just showed up right in front of me. That's one of those books, if you are a lit bro, you uh, you get a little turned on by. Like, yeah, oh, I gotta get that book. Like, You just have yeah. to read that. You have to read Infinite Jest and Gravity's Rainbow just because it gives you some kind of credentials in right. the lit bro sphere. I'm not really about that. I don't care if people think I'm an idiot. Like, I'm usually pretty <laughs> stupid, so I don't care if people think I'm an idiot. I'll, uh, Read the books I want to read. I don't need to be peer pressured into reading Gravity's Rainbow unless we're going to pair it with a very, very frustrating Mario game that I made you play. <laughs> <laughs> I care more than I'd like to. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I try not to, but uh, I don't like to feel stupid. Um, I get, I, I, you get used to it if you're moving. <laughs> yeah. Uh, before moving on, I might have to go back to Barnes Noble and pick up that book and uh take that buy one get one half off deal yeah you could do that and what are you gonna give me a copy of the book and i'll uh, read this stupid book yeah be mad hey by the way speaking of deals i actually bought you a book because it's a 30 dollar book that was on sale on amazon for three dollars no way what'd you get i bought um it is uh the quick and the dead uh the selected stories by martino kyan I have this. Oh, cool. I read it last year, and I really, really enjoyed it. I got you and Spencer a copy because they were $3, and it's a $30 book. Oh, damn. Nice. Thank you. Yeah, so um, I'm excited about what you think about that collection, to hear what you think about that collection. Uh, fuck, I can't speak English. <laughs> I'm excited to hear what you think about that collection, though, because, uh, you well, you haven't read uh, Graveyard Clay yet, but not too many Irish short stories are as interesting as these ones, I thought. I gotta read Gra- Graveyard Clay, and I I don't know if we can put a game with that, but mm, it would have to be a very uh, it probably have to be like a Steam game, like a indie yeah. weird unique game. Yeah, probably. All right, we we got way off track here. Yeah, <laughs> Metroid. So let's pull this let's pull this story apart. So when you think of this game, what is like uh, gameplay aside? I guess. When you try to think of it in a literary way, what do you think is the most prominent theme in the game? Um, I kind of get this like maternal theme that shows up mm-hmm. because you're saving what is a baby Metroid for one, and then obviously the mother brain's kind of on the nose, and then yeah. the it, you know originally you didn't know Samus was a woman, and then that's like the big reveal. So I think that kind of, which same with Earthbound, that was obviously called the Mother series in Japan. I don't know if Japan has something with their old video games from the 90s and like, you know, being a mother. 
don't know if that's like a theme over there, but that's kind of the theme I get from this game. Yeah, and when out of curiosity, do you know when they first revealed that Samus was a woman? First one, I think. Did they? I believe so, at the end of the okay. first one. The end of the first one? Yeah, when you get to the ending. Oh, I, think that's... Only, I think it'd be the special ending with the bikini. Oh, okay. I didn't know they did that on the first one. Pretty I was sure. I was wondering, because I mean, in Super Metroid, every time you die, it, your suit breaks open and you know it's a woman. So it's like they give it to you immediately. Yeah, so the first one was the reveal. The You know what? Metroid and Super Metroid are almost like Evil Dead and Evil Dead 2. Where it's just, yeah. oh, we just redid the first one and made it better. Basically. Yeah, that's interesting. I'll have something to say about that in our next episode. I'm going to save it. Um, Speaking of Necronomicon. Dun, 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 dun. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I, was, I, I was thinking about talking about that. I, I don't have notes on that specifically. But if you wanted to elaborate more on it, we can. For me, the... The thing that stands out most to me is atmosphere and the isolation. And along with that, like the this whole there's sort of like a fear of the unknown in there. Do you agree? That's why I suggested at the Mountains of Madness. Right. That's why it made me think of HP Lovecraft, because the fear of the unknown, the atmosphere. I didn't know you said themes. I thought I didn't know that was what you we're going for well i mean either way no i mean you're you're right i was that was one that i thought of and i didn't i just chose not to go with it okay do you have more about the maternal thing uh, not really i didn't actually <laughs> think about that at all until you asked me that question i didn't think about the <laughs> themes of this game i just thought oh, well metroid's fun well while we're on it i'll i'll keep going because when i first thought of doing metro super metroid for the show I hadn't solidified the fact that I want to do strictly books and not try to like creep some movies in here and there. And I wanted mm. to do it with Alien. Well, that's kind of the on the nose one because we even discussed doing an Alien book, like right? One of the Alien right. books. There are novels of Alien. Yeah, and it is on the nose, but uh, there's uh, yeah, there there was something I think back in this in that era that this came out and that the first one came out where suddenly you started seeing women alone in serious situations but yeah. they're actually like capable and uh you know not just being you know treated like the typical helpless woman trope that still happens sometimes nowadays it was like the first instance instance of a badass woman who you didn't care was a woman. Like yeah. That wasn't her defining trait. It's right. just like, oh, that's a badass protagonist. And then, oh, she's a woman too. And that's why, uh, like, I think that's why they originally left the reveal for Samus uh, till the end of the game. Like, we just want you to think this character's badass. We don't care what gender the character is. Right. And it's awesome. Like, the fact that you are, you're basically like an astronaut, and you, but you have a freaking like laser arm, and uh, <laughs> and you get like missiles and bombs, and you just stroll around this foreign planet destroying shit, and then you yeah, find awesome. out you're a <laughs> you're a woman, and then you're like, damn, that's a great idea. Give me more of that, and you feel the same way 
about uh Ripley in uh in Alien. It's like you're and I don't even think don't they doesn't Alien basically starts out where it's not like totally explain like the the main characters are everybody kind of at first. It's not yeah. explicit that she's the one until everyone starts dying and she she takes over. Yeah. One fact here I thought was interesting. Do you remember what well you didn't play the first one, but I don't remember what she looks like in the Super Metroid one. Do you remember what Samus's hair color is? Yeah, it's like blonde, isn't it? Ah, you're incorrect. That's what I thought. I was like, no, I don't think it originally was. When I looked it up just now, her original, because I thought it was strange that she was blonde is the Japanese-made game. Uh, why would the Japanese have a blonde protagonist? You know, you, you just assume it would be a dark-haired person. The original Samus is actually a redhead. That was, the, that was my second guess. But, I mean, they, they did make her blonde, didn't they? Yeah, they did. So, oh, so she was red in the in met in the first Metroid. Red frizzle hair, yeah. yeah but I was wondering if that was maybe uh, a callback to Ellen Ripley. I don't. She she's not a redhead, but she kind of had like a curly hair from what I remember. Mm-hmm. Gorney Weaver, she had yeah darker hair, was kind of curly. I was wondering if they. I never looked into it. If they modeled this character off of her from Alien. Well, I looked up whether or not they took anything from Alien and. I think the the game is largely inspired from another, from, uh, from something else. I don't know if it was another game or what, but they they did say that it was they took a lot of inspiration from the movie Alien, mm. um, and shows. that's that's the first the first Metroid. Uh, obviously, that's like that was like very close in the time that uh, I think the first Metroid was like eighty six, and Alien came out in seventy nine. So. They would have started working on it like right after it came out, probably. Right. Did you ever play uh, Metroid Two? Um, I don't remember. Let me look that up. Because there was Metroid Two before Super Metroid. I'm pretty sure. Metroid Two: Return of Samus. Yeah. That was for Game Boy. Oh. Yeah, it was. It was one of the. I I did play that. I beat it, and it was stupid because it was black and white. Mm. It was the original black and white Game Boys. They, I'm sure they have a color. Uh, the fan remake did a colored uh, version. Well, they remade that game for uh, DS, too. I think 3DS, maybe. Yeah. I actually uh, have that. I got to play that sometime. So it did come out on Game Boy Color eventually. Mm. I think I think we had I the Game Boy. I actually played it for Game Boy Color, but I know I played it for the original Game Boy as well, the big block black and white one. Um. I don't remember it being much different from the Nintendo one. Yeah, I think Probably it was... didn't have as much stuff, but I don't. Th- I don't. It's hard to say because the original Game Boys, I don't think, were able to pack as much stuff onto the cartridges as the even the Game Boy Colors, or especially the Advance. Right. Like I think most. I think most Game Boy games were pretty small games, and that's why whenever Pokemon came out. Everyone was like, holy shit, this is like a full-on RPG yeah. in a Game Boy cartridge. And it's and like people didn't understand how they even packed so much on there. You got to play Pocket Monsters on your pocket device. Yeah. So for me, the the thing that stood out for me, because there's such an absence of actual story, uh, aside from what they give us in the beginning, is the the atmosphere and the sounds, the music. You know, like the only thing that breaks the silence 
a lot of the time, aside from the music, is the sound of your gun arm firing and the screeches of the monsters. And the the music is awesome, by the way. It does it. It's that alone kind of makes the game of uh, uh, makes up for not having a story, <laughs> because yeah, each area is each area has its own music, and something I really love that I never I don't think I really picked up on before this playthrough is uh as you're traveling between areas of the map like like the different named areas the the music changes like to to the next area you're going to I don't know how to explain it like it's almost like a hint about what you're supposed to do next it, it's yeah. it, there's at least this one area where they do it I, I think it's the area where uh, do you remember you go through that like glass tube, and you have to yeah. you have to use a power bomb to yeah. shatter it, blow it up. Right. I I always remember that, but I uh, at the point I needed to do it, I forgot about it, and then I was like, wait a second, why is the music like this right now? It it, it started <laughs> switching back to the music. Uh, yeah, I I, I forget exactly, but. They just have a well, really. It indicates that there's another level there that you can go to. Right. Right. Yeah. Like they get. Yeah. It's it starts... a transition room. It's a, there's an actual level there that you can explore. Yeah. Exactly. It's it's like a subtle hint about what you're supposed to be doing right there. So they did. Yeah. They they change up that music at really interesting points. Uh, that I it's, I don't know that like there's a lot about that game that even though, even though there's not a complex story to it, which I, I mean, I keep saying that not every game has to have a complex story to be awesome, but that's just like always at the forefront of my mind when I'm playing a game. Yeah. That's the thing I love the most, but this one, I don't even think about it because there's so, there's so much it's, it's, it's because it's so like artistic, I guess there's so many choices that they made to make mm-hmm. the game flow so well and feel like one uh, it, it, I mean, to make it feel like you're really in one planet, it's just it's so it's just awesome. Like like he doesn't feel like I don't and I don't know how the first Metroid is, but it doesn't feel like you're going like from level to level to level, and especially the fact that you have to backtrack. It everything feels it like, like it goes together. Exploring one place. Yeah, exactly. I don't know. Did the first one feel like that? To a degree, yeah. I, I'm sure the music wasn't as well done. Mm-hmm. Got to give a shout out to Ken, Kenji Yamamoto and Minako Hamano, who uh, did the composition. Mm, and nice. uh, they also, you know, put a, together. Uh, I think Kenji did the, the sound specifically as well. I don't know if the other guy was involved with that. But yeah, those two, uh, I'm sure won some awards for that. It's actually a team of 15 people who put this uh, game together. Back in the simple days wow. of uh, Nintendo, it didn't take a whole... Well, even now, I feel like they don't... probably even have less people making the games now because they just slap them together and they don't have to be completed <laughs> on release, which is ridiculous that that's a thing that still yeah. happens. Yeah, I've been hearing about... I'm, I, don't, I don't play a lot of the current, like, more recent games. At least I haven't, except for Metroid Dread, but I heard about some of that shit going on. That's just messed up. It's been happening for years. You spend sixty to eighty dollars on a game and it's broken. Yeah, you have to you have to get patches and all this stuff, and it takes months before you can actually play it to completion if you can within the year because it's broken. Like most gamers say, wait six months before you buy a game. That's ridiculous. Yeah, 
Just finish the game and then release it. Don't fucking release a broken, unfinished, untested game. So, back to Atmosphere. I think I already said some of this stuff, but... Something else I noticed that I never noticed before... Have you ever, I don't know if you, uh, you probably, probably don't even remember, but have you ever been in, you know how Meridia is like all water? Yeah. And you're like, you're just underwater the whole time. And you move in slow and it's annoying. Yeah. yeah. Well, have you ever just like stood still for a minute, like put your game down, then picked it back up and looked at what's going on around you before you do anything? Uh, I'm sure I have. I don't remember what happened. Well, I never noticed it, but uh, I set it down, then I picked it back up, and then I heard a noise, but there was nothing going on around me. And then I waited for it to happen again. And it was this little bubble that comes out of uh, her suit, because she's underwater and she's standing there. It was just like... like, That's cool. Yeah, like these little tiny details. It's like, ah! It's just like a giant painting. And that and... Oh, the the uh subtle little computer beeps when you're you find yourself in a secret room where there's some there's like a missile pack hidden there or something, or or you're right before you're about to get into a boss fight, or you or like you're in the boss fight room but nothing's happening yet, mm-hmm. and it's just like there's just these little like these those little that little <laughs> it's it's like super super quiet. Oh my god, it just adds to the eeriness of it all. I mean, on top of the music itself being eerie, and then suddenly a battle begins. Like, yeah. like rocks start falling down, like this monster comes out of the ground, and even down to the color choice of all the rooms that you have to explore, it's like it's like an ever so slightly drab color choice. It, it, it's weird, because it's like everything feels super vibrant because it's a Super Nintendo game compared to the original Metroid game. Which, I mean, that that was, like, bright, but Super Nintendo was brighter. And, but at the same time, everything is just a little bit off, and it gives you that discomfort that you want to instill in somebody when when they're in, like, a... <clears throat> like, obligated to explore a foreign place alone with no communication to the, the familiar world. I don't know, it just does such a great job. The design of this of all that environment is just spot on, and yeah, we already talked about it, but I just had in my notes to bridge that. It makes more sense to talk if we were to talk about the original Metroid because that's yeah. that's when this stuff started coming out coming about. But because this is the definitive Metroid, I think uh, <laughs> it it's better for me to talk about. I really enjoyed the deeper you go in the game it actually feels like you're going into an ancient planet like this underground city like it just becomes more like you i think you get to parts where things are like overgrown and there's like ancient artifacts you kind of stumble across and just cool stuff like that yeah it just makes you really feel immersed in the world which is another reason why it gave me the hp lovecraft feeling because you just keep going down and down how big is this map it just keeps going and it's just it's so cool like the design team just went above and beyond in creating like every level and making things unique and even though you do all this backtracking and it never really feels repetitive yeah definitely and i i started feeling that i started feeling very lovecraftian when i got to the wrecked ship part you remember that part yeah 
so like when you first go in there it, all the power is shut off and it's just i think it's totally Eerie. silent it's dark the the only thing that's moving is there's like little ghost enemies that come around it's kind of the one enemy that you're like what the hell is this like it doesn't kind of yeah, like it kind of doesn't match with the yeah, <laughs> with the rest of the game but i mean probably because it's a wrecked ship like i don't you don't really know i mean i don't think you know why it's there um, I, mean, I think that gives it a neat little touch, though, because in this world, everything, whether organic or robotic, you don't actually know the lore of this planet or this universe they're in. So you don't know if there's paranoia, there's ghosts or demons. You don't know any of that stuff. You're just assuming based on uh, what you very small amount of information you know about the story that, oh, you're just going to try to get this Metroid, and you're going to fight monsters. But you don't actually know what lives in this planet. So on a first playthrough, you don't even know what kind of monsters you're going to encounter. Right. That brings me to another question. In your opinion, what do you think it is about that recurring idea in this time period of the whole, like, isolation thing and being put up against exotic enemies and, like, like alien foes that seemed real to start getting really prominent in the eighties and also lingers or is resurging today. Hmm. That's an interesting question. I don't know. Cause like I'm thinking that this game in the nineties, but I guess we really would have to go to the original Metroid because that's when these themes came out. Yeah. Because this so game, going- it's in the nineties, but it's based on an idea from the eighties. Yeah, so if we're going to 86, I mean, and then if it's in, inspired by Alien, so we're going to, what did you say, 79? Yeah. Going into the time period at the time, why would people feel so isolated that they would relate to this game? Or is it the opposite, and this was something that was unique and scary because that's what people feared the most would be isolation? I'm not sure. Because, you know, this is... but Both of these... uh alien in the original metroid or before our time i think you said 86 for metroid that's when i was born so mm-hmm. um and you know i was a little kid when the second Me- or super metroid came out i don't know, eight years old but uh i don't I'm trying to think why would people want to play such a isolated styled game and why was that a theme at the time uh, because like a lot of the seventies movies, you think of, like Taxi Driver and stuff, they all had that isolation feel to them, right? Like it was, it wasn't just you know sci-fi stuff; it was everything. Uh, even when the introduction of like the slasher movies, you had the original Halloween movie. You know what's scary? This lone killer getting you when you're by yourself. Yeah, what I came up with was uh, it's almost like it was one of the first times in history. One of them, uh, maybe not, maybe even not, maybe not even the, one of the first times, but it was one of the times in history where technology was about to be like exploding, and there was so much going on in the background of everything, in the with the government and the news and everything that like people knew there was more going on than they were being told, but what we were being told just made us. I mean, not not me because I wasn't alive, but. <laughs> yeah but uh it instilled just like a general fear like i guess i'm safe because i'm where i am and i'm okay but i don't actually know what's going on but i'm told that there's a threat out there 
there's a general fear of other people of and of the unknown and if you think about it it was kind of the beginning of like multiple forms of war you had the i mean the cold war was go, has been i mean i i don't even think that started in the 80s but that went on for a very very long time it was just very prominent in the 80s that gives you that's where the fear of the unknown kicks in right exactly oh, and then have a nuclear war is there going to be a giant disaster you just don't know right and you don't know you don't really know who's at fault we were told things but it was a time where the internet would have been be- beneficial but it wasn't really there yet <laughs> yeah but you know there was the war on drugs that started started coming around at that time mm-hmm. there uh um television was exploding video games were exploding did you hear that something sounded like it cut out uh aids was coming around nobody trusted anything no like and then you only felt safe at home and just everything was scary and this was all on the back of the vietnam war ending too like the right you know going from the 70s to the 80s and then we had all this corporate greed we you know the coked out 80s but a lot of that stuff like people forget the beginning of the 80s was a lot different than the hair metal end of the 80s you know like the most of the nostalgia retro stuff we think of from the 80s isn't actually the very beginning of the 80s. Mm-hmm. It's mid 80s and on. So the beginning of the 80s was probably more of a scary time. Uh, but then, you know, once like we had Reagan get into office and then, like you said, about the AIDS epi- uh, epidemic came about. We had a lot of people who were very afraid of everything going on. Uh, and then at the same time, that's when we started getting like the censorship issues coming in and, oh, we got to protect our children <laughs> and just like all this stuff was going on. And then video games that they had the big boom. We had like the golden era of video games that immediately just like went under. And uh, you think of Atari with like E.T. was like the worst game ever. And <laughs> they had landfills just with millions of copies of it. Oh, yeah. And the video games almost went completely under other than Nintendo. And it like totally makes sense. I mean, considering all that, doesn't it? To- doesn't it totally make sense why these <laughs> why th- these ideas would be so prominent at this time at at that time? The you know, only thing that slightly changes that, which I'm curious about, is with the especially the themes of isolation. We're talking about the U.S. standpoint, but if mm-hmm. we're talking about Metroid specifically and just the uh, you know those style of games. We have to think of the Japanese slant here of why would they That's true. have That's the true. isolation? Because actually in the 80s, I think Japan was doing very well economically. I'm pretty sure it was the 90s they had a big bubble burst and everyone was downtrodden and doing terrible. But I'm pretty sure the 80s, everything was going you know gangbusters over there. So why would they have these fears? Or maybe they didn't. Uh, I don't know. Maybe they were just going off of alien, you know. Yeah. Uh, who might be thinking too much into it? But I would be interested to see if more Japanese media at the time had these themes as well. That's a very good point. That didn't didn't even cross my mind. Did there were there any American writers for Super Metroid or for Metroid? I um, I'm gonna see who. I don't know if. Yeah, I guess I would have to go to the original Metroid, right? That makes sense. Yeah, because Yoshio Sakamoto did the Super Metroid, but I don't know if he was in charge of the first Metroid as well. I don't know who created that one. 
But you would imagine, I uh, wouldn't you imagine they often have all audiences in mind, especially if it's a game that they know is going to be, you know, worldwide. Um, you would think it. It depends what they're because there's a lot of unreleased in this country. A lot of Japanese games that were unreleased because Japan really only cared about selling them to Japanese people. There's a lot of games like that. Uh, on my emulator, there's a whole section that's just foreign games that we mm. don't have uh, because whether they just, well, you thought we did Earthbound. We yeah. didn't get the first Earthbound, you know, the first mother game. And we didn't get the uh, third one either. No. Ever. So a lot of stuff, uh, which is weird because that game was like specifically made for American audiences. The third one? <laughs> they didn't have the second one. Oh, okay. But I'm I'm assuming they would all follow the same, you know, Americana style life, right? Like, well, I, I heard know. that I heard that Mother Three, that had cowboys, I think. Yeah, but I I heard that it had like um, certain characters were I I, I don't know if it was like a sexuality thing that I, I'm not sure, but certain characters were not suitable for American audiences. Like it wouldn't, it wouldn't have been, it wouldn't have gone over well, especially at the time that it would, that it came out initially. And I mm. think, I think they still think that today it would cause some kind of disagreement, but, so, but I guess that's my point. I, I, like if they have those games that they only release in Japan or wherever, and this is something that's released everywhere and they knew it was going to be, then they would well this the original metroid same guy uh and just from reading the synopsis here it's the same exact game really <laughs> there's nothing really different uh, space pirates go and steal a metroid and it's basically the same thing <laughs> but i'm not really seeing let me i'm going to look at the release on this one see it has the reception it doesn't have uh well, they remade the original one it's called metroid zero mission oh Oh, I had that for Game Boy Advance. That's the that's a remake of the original. Yeah, it's, that's what it says. Oh well, then I did play that. <laughs> All right, cool. Nidos Guido. <laughs> to wrap that around to today, I was just gonna say it's it's almost like it's interesting how the whole '80s vibe is all together all around is making like a resurgence. Has and has been for the last like ten years if not longer than that. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if you see the same, like, isolation theme nowadays, maybe in some forms, but it seems like, it seems like the more common uh, iteration of, uh, of an 80s, an 80s style anything, like a movie or a video game or anything like that, it seems like the more common thing to do with it now is make it about teamwork and a group of friends and yeah. and there might be some isolation that happens within that group of friends but it do, I don't know if you see the same like let's make this just about defeating something alone the current kind of themes uh like you said with the friend groups and stuff and even going to like a stranger things which is supposed to be an 80s retro right i was thinking uh, that they're, the theme now is not isolation necessarily. It still touches on it, 
but it's about breaking up of the group and how you need the group and without the group and when you're isolated, that's the danger. But it's never about specific isolation uh, from the get go. Um, I just thought of another great one, which also inspired by At the Mountains of Madness was the movie The Thing. Um, yeah, I didn't see the original, but the remake uh, with Kurt Russell that, you know, that what's the big theme in that one? Isolation. Right. You're fighting this monster and it gets you alone. Like that was a I think that's why things were so scary back then, because it's hard to get scared when you're in a group. I mean, it could be done. There's different themes you can take on that, too, where mob mentality and there's plenty of movies based on that. But I always thought isolation was like a lot scarier. You have to face something by yourself. But I don't I don't know why we don't have that in modern storytelling as much. I have an interesting note here about uh, the original Metroid score. This was by who did this one? Just says Tanaka. I don't know what his uh, first name is, but one of the quotes here is Tanaka's greatest contribution to game music comes paradoxically in the form of silence. He was arguably the first video game composer to emphasize the absence of sound in his music. Tanaka's score is an embodiment of isolation and atmospheric effect, one that penetrates deeply into the uh, emotions. So he uh, was kind of the creator of that style, which Super Metroid does really well. Yeah, that's awesome. And that's, that's way just... back in the Nintendo era where the music, like, arguably yeah. is not good. Uh, then again, Deja Vu, and, you know, <laughs> it was awesome. So, but Not good, but also so- sometimes it was like, the memorable. best part of the game like yeah like i mean i don't know the super i mean or the uh yeah it was still called super mario brothers for <laughs> for original nintendo right was it super i don't think they go super until they go into super nintendo yeah why would they be super on the original mario? nintendo it's just called mario brothers mario world the first one wasn't mario world i'm pretty sure Mario, Mario, and Luigi Mario. I never understood that. <laughs> I'm going to look up the original Mario for you. Okay. Mario 1. But anyway, well, that was just my point that I was making was just The that, very first that... Mario is Super Mario Brothers. All right, you're right. You're correct. <laughs> I quit. Why would but they the... call the... You know what? This is stupid. Maybe the <laughs> Super Nintendo was inspired by their very first flagship game of Super Mario. Yeah. I mean, yeah. But the point yeah. I was just going to make is just that people still get that song stuck in their heads. So there's games like that for the, the Nintendo that even though there's a lot that are just poop, there's a lot <laughs> there's a lot that are like super classic too. So that's probably why the Super Nintendo went with Super Mario World is their name because they already had Super Mario originally. Yeah. Huh. Interesting. But yeah, I was actually going to, I was going to say that with the, what you were saying about like stranger things like it, it's nowadays it's like the total it, it's the opposite of it's like a combating the whole like you can only defeat the almost like the the message was almost like you can only defeat this alone back then and now it's like well no we got to be together otherwise we're too weak well without getting into it because there is a uh subsect of people who go real hard into this stuff and they fight about it and all this shit but you go into the rugged individualism uh, side of the debate where in the olden days of the 80s, 
and even before you think of action heroes and stuff, it was always one man taking, you know, taking on the world alone. And that was something to strive for. But at the same time, that was a period where, you know, mental health was something we ignored. Mm-hmm. Like if you're having problems, just keep it to yourself. If you're not hyper masculine, you're like a sissy or a woman. God forbid that's such a bad thing. Like to be so much feminine or anything like that. But you had to be like this rugged individual who can handle everything themselves. And no one sees you cry. No one sees your pain. Uh, For all they know, you don't have any pain. And then, you know, that's been around for a very long time in the U.S. And that's why we had so many alcoholics and stuff throughout (laughs) the ages. Because people would never share how they feel or anything like that. Because as an individual, you can't do that. You don't seek help. But there's been a shift in mental health awareness, over, especially the last decade. But it started in the probably the end of the 80s, maybe mid 90s. And that's when you started getting the focus to, well, you don't have to fight your own battles all the time. You can have help. You can reach out to other people and you can bring other people in. And then that's when the themes of teamwork started. Uh, and because you even think like the original teams of like the 80s, like the A team. It was still just like, oh, we're each individually badasses who can handle this ourselves. But as a team, we're even cooler. Like it was never (laughs) about like, oh, no, if I am here and he's not here, I can't, you know, like you need every part of the team together. Like in the Power Rangers in the 90s, you need the whole team together to be able to defeat the evil. Right. Um, But yeah, that's a. I don't think individualism is wrong by any means, but I don't think that relying on other people from time to time is wrong either. It's not one. It's not you know a black and white issue. It's like there's no, I guess like a gray area. You can take from both. You don't want to be over relying on people and always have to be the person that needs help, but you don't want to be the person that never asks for help either. So you're saying you want to make a two-player mod, uh, Super Metroid, that we can both play together. Yeah, like uh, Battletoads. Yeah. <laughs> Instead of we're not going to fucking have a stupid mechanic where we could punch each other out. That's so dumb. <laughs> Why would you have that? Like, most of the time you spend the... You kill each other on accident. <laughs> Battletoads. What a cool game that was ruined by stupid mechanics. I think the most I played that was when we played it for a few minutes at your house. And got agitated immediately. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and I, I also... Yeah, a random thought. Like, how interesting also that this next awesome Metroid game that has all the same stuff in it and is even even has an extra layer of fear to it, which I don't want to be specific about yet, but how interesting that that came out in the middle of, and I think it was, in the middle of the COVID pandemic <laughs> where yeah. where we're all at home alone. Isolated. Yeah. which is funny because that turned out to be most people's biggest fear like people were just freaking out because they couldn't handle just being alone right and that's something that's not in modern media too often Uh, and i'm surprised it hasn't made a resurgence after covid where every story is about being alone you know yeah i mean it still might be on its way i'm sure it'll i think people are so sick of like just covid and talking about isolation and all that stuff yeah that they just go the opposite route, but there is going to be a hard shift at some point. Yeah, I was going to say, it's go. it's going to be back in like five or ten years when, when people are like... Got some distance from it. Yeah, right. Right. It's like, you know, post a major war, 
you don't get a shitload of war stories. You get stuff that's completely different. And then 10, 20 years later, everything's a war story based on that war. Yeah, exactly. You got anything else? Metroid is cool. Super Metroid is better. Metroid Dread is probably awesome. I haven't played it. You gotta play it. I'm gonna. I'm gonna play it. I really hope there's. I really hope there's a new system out next year, Uh, like a sequel to the Switch, because I don't want to buy the Steam Deck, but I uh, I do want to have a new system. And I want to. I want you to have a system, and I want us to both be able to play new games. I'm gonna buy a PS10. A ten. I'm gonna go in the future, like forty years from now. Probably, probably won't be in Earth by the time that comes out. But, <laughs> well, the PS5 is not that old. It's only about a couple years old now. I think it's like three years old already. If not, if not, if not older. And it just got it. It feels like it's still really new because I mean it is still hard new, get. but it feels yeah it feels so new because it was so hard to get for like two years, and because they still haven't made a lot of great games for it yet. What a rip off! Yeah. Stay tuned for our next episode where we'll be discussing what we decided for the purposes of this podcast is Super Metroid's literary counterpart. The serially published 1936 novella at the Mountains of Madness by H.P. Lovecraft. I'll have a lot more to say about that than I did about Metroid. Yeah. Probably. If you're enjoying the show, be sure to follow or subscribe and be sure to check out our Instagram page at arcade underscore bookshop for our playing and reading schedule so you can play and read along with us and understand what the hell we're talking about. Yay. So yeah, my wife. Finally, I got her to create the Instagram page for us. So that's all set. That's neato, Skeeto. I can stop sounding stupid at the end of our episodes now. Yeah, that's uh, pretty cool, man. Yeah, man. I get more blood just to keep that running. (laughs) Ah, blood. You can also find the schedule in our show notes. Uh, If you have any game and book pairing recommendations, you can email us also at arcadebookshop at gmail.com or you can uh, contact us on the Instagram too, I guess. Um, Let us know your great ideas. Let's not forget Caleb and his life outside of this podcast. Yeah, you can check out my stuff, man. Uh, I also have a podcast, the Drunken Penwriting Podcast to be specific. Uh, you could check that out. Uh, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram at DPW Podcast on YouTube as well. Um, I've been getting most of my messages lately on Instagram, which is strange. Like every time somebody wants to be a guest, they message me on Instagram now, and we have like barely anybody, like a hundred people following us or something on there. Like I, I don't promote anything on there really. Hmm. I, I post the podcast, and I don't, I don't. I barely do the social media anymore. But we seem to get people that. Follow us on there for some reason. So I think Instagram is the way to go. Uh, if you want to follow a cool Instagram, probably don't follow mine, but mine is Caleb James 1986 because I'm a cool guy. Or you can just go to my website, CalebJamesK.com, and you can also see my publishing history and stories and stuff I got on there. Check it out, motherfuckers. Yeah, man. Yeah, I don't, I don't do the social media thing either. I. I'm going to have an Instagram for this podcast, and that's what I'm sticking with. Unless hey, my... by the time this releases, 
Twitter might not even be a thing anymore because I heard today Elon Musk was supposed to change it to X. That's the name. That's the logo. Just the X. Really? Like it's not going to be called Twitter. It's going to be called X. Just X. Letter X. All right. That's what they're talking about. I don't know. Everyone's saying rip Twitter. R.I.P. I don't really care because uh, Twitter has become a garbage heap. It's terrible. Um, Facebook's old people and Instagram seems to be kind of okay if you like sharing pictures and stuff, but I don't know how to like promote writing on there properly. Yeah, I don't like any of it. I uh, I don't like any of it. I'm not going to say anything more about that, but I'm my the wife's going to be handling get, all this stuff. I, yeah, the older I get, the less I enjoy it. I find that it just takes away from my actual productive time. Right. Don't do it unless you want to talk to us. Yeah, follow us, though. We're, yeah. we're, we're cool guys. We don't use it, but follow us anyway. <laughs> Thanks so much for listening. As always, go stick a controller in one hand and your book in the other. <laughs>